Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths by Alejandro G. Inaritu, After Sun by Charlotte Wells, Something in the Dirt by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Ausland, and finally, newly released White Noise, directed by Noah Baumbach. It's going to be a great show, so stay tuned and enjoy. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay on this end. How was your uh, How was your week of movies, man? Well, week was all right. I found myself running away from the theater this week. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was running in the opposite direction. Uh, we had releases like Plane, like Megan, come out. And I was surprised not to see that on the list. I was I, I was intentionally running away from it, thinking that the movies this week, well, these are going to be the good movies. Ah. Catch up in December. I had time to research. Wound up not liking a good amount of these as well, so maybe I should have just saw Plane and Megan. <laughs> well, this was, um, this was, yeah, this is almost like another catch up. Yeah, because a lot of these, like even White Noises, kind of came out what three weeks ago now. Yeah, pretty much on Netflix. Yeah, but we're still counting it as a new release. Yeah, because it's Netflix. Uh, and then some of these came out in kind of October, but November and December. Yeah, a lot of these, yeah. basically. So I think I think for any remaining, I know we we've, we've given a shout out to a few things like Empire of Light and and Marcel the Shell. Yeah, anything like that. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic story. Uh, anything like that. I think I'm gonna sprinkle through. Uh, because yeah, I think uh, that's fine. Yeah, if anything, I think uh, some expectations. Expectations shot me in the foot um, this week, especially for the one sci-fi entry we have, which uh, excited to talk about and just and a little bit of a rant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting something a lot more, but, uh, but yeah. But uh, excited for the movies coming out uh, this month. We have uh, Pale Blue Eyes mm. uh, or The Pale Blue Eye with uh, Christian Bale. Uh, that's a Netflix Oh, that's release. right. Yeah. That's right. Brandon Cronenberg as well coming back. Cronenberg's son with another horror. So that's, called, I think, Infinity Pool. Uh, yeah, January horror. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, January is kind of the horror dump. Uh, there, there's a few. That's what it seems out. like. Yeah. There is one horror movie that I'm actually looking forward to this year. Is it Megan? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's coming out probably in spring. Oh, okay. But okay. we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, so we're going to start. Uh, we might not... As far as these came out, they came out in kind of a general area yeah. at the same time. So we're just kind of mm-hmm. get hit the ones that we want to and go in the order that we want, basically. Yeah. I feel like all these had some sort of earlier release that doesn't get reflected as well if it's real release. It's very weird. Yeah. yeah, it's very weird because there's so many film festivals now. Yeah. But okay, so again, these are all 2022. This first one is Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. It's by a big-time director. This is Alejandro G. 
Inaratu. I think it's Inaritu. Inaritu. Yeah. Um, of course, he did Batman. Uh, Batman. He <laughs> did Birdman. He did Birdman. And then he also did uh, The Revenant, which is brought up yep. uh, many a times. Uh, both must-watches uh, on the site. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, both yeah. are both must-watches. Uh, so his return is, is, is a big, big one. Yeah, it's not getting the highest praise from those critics. Mm. But it's, it's a big film because he's kind of going back to a... He's from Mexico, yep. and now he's doing a Mexican film, yes. Mexican actors mostly, and he hasn't done that for a, a decent amount of films now. Yep, absolutely. So how does he return kind of back to Mexico? How is this still a big-time Hollywood film? What do we get? Mm. It's two hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a big film of his. So how do we come back with uh, Alejandro? Uh, I think very good. You're exactly right, and I'll return to some of the critical reception of this film, I was scratching my head because honestly, this film is getting a good amount of flack, mm-hmm. yet is almost a carbon copy of Birdman uh, in how surreal it is, in how much of an internal dialogue it is, uh, and yeah. really oozes Inaritu's style 100%. I did a lot of research on this just mm-hmm. because, just because of who the director is, basically. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah, kind I mean, of expected. This is our boy. Basically. Yeah, you expect a lot. And <laughs> yeah. hopefully he doesn't sink, sink it like Damien did. Oh, uh, sure, sure. You know, with, Under expectation. With, with Babylon. But with this one, I, so I did a lot more research than maybe I, I, I normally would have. And it was coming up a lot in my mind of, okay, this is just a different take of that Birdman style. Yes. And I'm finding... Internal crisis. Yeah, and I'm wondering if this is kind of what we're going to... Like, we we know Nolan loves time, and there's always time elements in his <laughs> films. And I wonder if we're going to get a little bit of... I don't know what you call his style, uh, Inaritu style. Yeah, definitely surrealist, dreamlike. Yes. You know, yeah. What's real, what isn't. Sure. Let the audience put together some pieces. Yeah. But uh, it, it was definitely seeing... A jump from Birdman to this, you know, yes. not much with Revenant. Or anything yeah, Revenant like that. is actually the outlier. I mean, despite how good it is. Uh, oh, definitely the outlier. Yeah, yeah. But why don't we get into a... it a little bit because it seems a little confusing as well sure, to even sure. talk about. Yeah. So um, uh, Bardo uh, is. I mean, the elevator pitch here is it's a surreal, absurdist comedy drama. Take the most surreal moments of his previous films, and I would say double it here. That can be good and bad. Uh, I think <laughs> the film kind of shocks you with probably one of the more surreal moments uh, right in the beginning. So if that's not flying for you, uh, maybe stick around, maybe not. But uh, that's, that's I, I think, might be the turnoff effect that is happening with a lot of critics out there. Um, uh, the dreamlike qualities of this film are much more in your face. And also a lot like Birdman, this longer full title, you know, this very wordy I know, full it, title. Yeah. so much so like Birdman. <laughs> yeah, it, it hints at a... Uh, a through line, a, a purpose, a theming, and I personally enjoyed, much like with Birdman, taking that and trying to look for that, uh, piecing that together throughout the film. So, um, the story follows uh, Silvero, a, a Mexican journalist uh, filmmaker. And like I said already, it, it has this kind of big picture, these big life questions that's trying to juggle. Actually, three entries this week, I would describe that as. Uh, if there was a theme between my watching week, is uh, these these films were tackling big, big questions, and and some successfully, some not. There are many introspective topics juggled through this kind of dream lens for Inuri 2. Family, getting older, uh, personal crisis, success. 
and and really not to over compare to the internal narrative of Birdman, but that feel is identical. I think it's helpful yeah. to describe it. Are we so it's, we're really packed with him following him, his story, his yeah. character, a lot like following Michael Keaton. Exactly, and okay. maybe not. It doesn't have the gimmick or or, or the the novelty of a one shot or one take, but it yeah, is too- still very like snaky. Where 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 we're going yeah. from moments to moments, he's suddenly somewhere else. He's suddenly on this documentary he's making. Okay. Uh, and that's part of this surreal pacing. It's it's stream of conscious, basically. Yeah, definitely three things for Birdman that make it so pronounced is, like you said, the, the one-shot or fake one-shot. Yes, kind exactly. Of. Implied. Just camera moving. With, there's a lot of walking, a lot of movement. So yep. a lot of choreography between main person and camera. Yep. And then you also have soundtrack because you have that beat that you pass once in a while in the mm, music. Yep. Do we have any overlays of that? Do we have any similarities there? I would say all of the similarities are there. It's just a bit toned down and maybe as well it been there, done that a tiny bit. Sure, yeah. Um, I think also the, the scope is a little bit larger. Uh, we're dealing with much more of a... I would imagine a personal story for Inaritu. Um, mm. This journalist has success in the States, then he's coming back to Mexico, uh, obviously yeah, paralleled def- exactly with Literally. Uh, uh, with uh, with his two Oscar wins and then coming back to a Mexican produced film. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's a good way to give that elevator pitch because you know what you're in for by saying Birdman. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that's, again, added to the head-scratching of why critics could not understand his style, which is just as great. You know, I'm coming in very positive for this film. This was an amazing wow. watch. Absolutely. Netflix, no less. So That's true. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, it's yeah. a Netflix film. Uh, and another it, Netflix black hole film. Is I it a say. shame? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize <laughs> I was doing my research just today a little bit. Yep. I was just like, oh, it's Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or is it disappointed that you didn't see this in big theater? Like, does this deserve big theater watch, kind of? Um, I don't know. I, I definitely wasn't regretting it or anything like that. Okay, you weren't sitting there thinking like, "Oh, this would look cool on the big screen." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, I mean, uh, <laughs> to to break from the review just for a second, um, watching movies has become such a job that honestly, the medium that I watch it through, it, 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 it makes no difference. <laughs> right. You're really watching the film. Right. Right. Um, except for uh, maybe some standouts. Yeah. Yeah. But what does this do to separate itself from Birdman then? Because you, I, I'm assuming you can't just be. It can't be as simple to say, oh, this is Mexican Birdman, right? <laughs> no, yeah. So what are the differences we get here? I, I would say the difference is uh, tied into this um, internal crisis, dreamlike uh, feel of the film is you have a, uh, a deep, deep sociological narrative around modern Mexico as a plot thread. Uh, and I found this to be very interesting because not only did the dialogue feel hyper real, it feels it felt like Mexicans talking about Mexico, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the horrific. Honestly, having this as a spotlight and a harsh spotlight mm-hmm. through Silvero's narrative, his his documentary as well, is making a documentary around modern Mexico uh, within the film. I, I thought that really distinguished this film quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the feel is kind of different. Yeah. I can't stress enough. It felt like you, we were able to sit in on a very candid, very honest conversation uh, of his his fellow countrymen, basically, talking about Mexico, the current state of things, what they love about it, what they fear about it as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I could see where maybe if... You take this perspective and you combine it with surrealist, dreamlike, kind of stream of conscious editing. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe it could be 
seen in poor taste at times. Oh, really? Um, yeah, again, the, the surrealist elements are really clocked up here. Uh, I okay. wouldn't say... I, I think double, honestly, is, is, a, is a good estimate of how much clock it is. Okay, all right. Again, well, I, maybe, maybe some examples. Um, right in the couple opening scenes, we see Silvio's wife uh, have a, or Silvero's wife have a complication with her pregnancy, and it's portrayed as the the baby saying, the world's too messed up, I'm going back. You know? okay. <laughs> uh, or he's he's kind of put on... He he goes to a talk show um, uh, promoting his documentary and promoting this 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 new fame he has in Mexico, and the the documentary or the 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 talk show basically turns into a hit piece against him and he kind of quiets down and it's it becomes just very very surreal hmm. throughout this. I want so yeah so it's just like you said amped up exactly. It is so funny even just hearing you talking about it now. I'm mm-hmm. brought to the scene with Michael Keaton and the expert kind of play reviewer who sure. said I'm going to yeah, tank yeah. your thing. Yep. How they always come after, had to go after the media that one. And yep. we had his chance to pitch at the media and they Absolutely. were working some kind of actors and everything like that. Yep. Um, that's kind of funny. Yeah, and, and I think what what ties it all together is that it's not high concept. Uh, it's always tied to some sort of personal narrative. I think one of my favorite moments of this is you know, in these type of many crisis, kind of evolving crisis that Silvero is going through, I one of my favorite moments is just a a, a quiet moment that he has, prospectively talking to his dead father. Mm. We don't meet him. Uh, it's just a simple switch in perspective that shows him as a smaller person, so that he has this kind of child to father experience. And it's little things like that. I mean, uh, Inarito's directing is so dialed in, and the fact that he's making surreal concepts you know, something that could be frustrating for a lot of viewers, as palatable as they are, as enjoyable as they are, mm-hmm. it, he, he's he's the king of it right now. And I, I again, uh, I will, will return to this one. I was really scratching my head over what other critics did not see because I saw this and I saw a build, a momentum build from Birdman. Wow, wow, so, okay. Maybe not as good, but definitely all the same cards uh, all the same wow. you know suit of the cards and and what was the soundtrack what was the music like was it was uh, it quick was it moving was it it definitely doesn't have the streamlined jazz approach okay uh, all right um, uh, there there's a lot of different things also it ties into this again he's a filmmaker uh, he's a journalist he's making this documentary some of that ties as well into music that is supposed to be within that film that he's made okay so. gotcha uh, I, I think uh, the the areas that this lands in a recommendation is again you like surreal you like dream like watch it if you like Inaritu at all watch it and 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 new to Bardo specifically is again this um, this very honest perspective on Mexico it was uh, I don't know um, for lack of a better comparison it's almost it it had a Anthony Bourdain type of effect that you really oh. heard honest. The, the dialogue was so real. It felt like you were eavesdropping in on, on something so genuine. I, I felt it was a, a huge plus of the film. Wow, okay. Uh, especially because they were perspectives that I didn't really know were thought of that way uh, on all ends of the spectrum. And like you said, it felt real. Maybe you yes. don't know. You don't know what the deal is. Yeah. Very yeah. far away from right, Mexico. Right, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know all the specifics, and I certainly <laughs> don't hold, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't put myself in one camp or the other. Right, but, right. Uh, it felt so genuine and so real. And I feel like if 2022 was was defined by anything, it's, it's kind of stilted dialogue, you know. So to have mm, this yeah. as a, re- you know I mean? It was, it was immersive for that reason. Um, subtitles? 
Yes. Okay. But it, a mix of English and Spanish, actually. Uh, for instance, his son in this Cause speaks cause, in all English. Okay, because he is – he's not American, but he's almost like a dual citizen. Like he's, exactly. He's yep. in America doing stuff as well. Exactly. Yeah, and right. his character is coming back to Mexico. Right, so, okay. As kind of a, like a pride thing, so. So I kind of want to know, one, it's, it's a long time. Yep. Uh, what did I say? Almost two hours and 40 minutes. Yep. And then I'm assuming that we're with our main character – a lot yes. for that two hours and forth. Like, uh, so. Pretty much exclusively. Is that right? We're, we're always on his shoulder. We're always having him approach the camera in some way. Yeah, we it, never really break from him. Was it Daniel uh, Gimenez-Cacho? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah, it's Silvero is, is the character. Silvero's a character, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why if you if you've heard me, I'll come I've come clean. I was, I was, I was bobbing and weaving around. The name. But yeah, uh, a, a great performance from him. Okay, uh, and and again, um, such a it felt like such a personal film for Inaritu as well as a director. There was definitely some dual narrative going on. Okay, you know? yeah, and, and real talk. I'll take this any day over a puff piece like Fableman's, you know, where, yes. Oh, this is interesting. This is different. This is, yeah, He's telling it through uh, analogy, metaphor, you know what I mean? There's something done to, you know, kind of create that Yeah, I think it's fair to say, though, that also Fableman's was, like, much more true, even though it was... Not exactly yeah. his life, Spielberg's life. Yeah. It was a lot closer than this. Yeah, this exactly. just yes. this had light connections, like right. theming. Yes, yeah, so there versus you go. Okay. Biographical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and your time frame here? You're two hours and forty minutes. I was in love, honestly. Okay, cool. Uh, this way, you'll. <laughs> that's actually the free spot on the bingo card it's talking about length in a movie but uh yeah uh, this this one i did not have a problem with if anything it gave the runway needed to tell a personal story and then this kind of sociological story or or narrative okay i'll end with this and like i've said many times already um yeah i'm I'm shocked at the reception of this film when does this have like 50s uh, almost all across the board it's it's pretty damn average yeah i think maybe that ill illustrates people don't know what to think of this film you know yes is is bardo a a bit unruly in how surreal it gets at times sure but um i i would say you'd be crazy not to watch this film and say inaritu is all over this this is 100 his style uh and on full display here to watch this film and not recognize his artistry uh it's really crazy to me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very confused. Uh, but alas, you know, yet another Netflix black hole film. So I encourage folks, like I said, kind of even breaking down a little bit more straightforward. If you find yourselves in the camps I've talked about, if anything has piqued your interest, most likely, uh, most of all, around the style of this film, give this a shot. We're going to go ahead and give Bardo... Oh, one more second here. <laughs> I forgot the full title. Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truth, a 79. Ooh, 79, good score. Very good score. Yeah, definitely. And not I, and the, admittedly, not the peaks of uh, Birdman and Revenant. No, but not what this has been getting. <sighs> like, And like I mean, across the board, yeah. just about. Yeah. And I think it's good, like, if people just, t- if people listening to this, just take note, maybe some of the surreal stuff is bumped up. Sure. You might see some weird stuff. Yeah. But just be prepared for that, because it's all part of it. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's also a foreign <clears throat> film. I feel like that can add to some of the, you know, what's going on kind of thing, so... I guess, but if you're going to call yourself a film critic, a film critic site, if you're going to yeah. call yourself a you know a movie reviewer with mm-hmm. at length 
as far as writing. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Again, just it, not it, to... It shouldn't throw you yeah, that not much. Yeah, to, not to recognize his style. Uh, and it's was, like every... Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so good for that Well, reason. it's on Netflix. Which I, and it totally surpassed my Netflix. I, I, mean, I agree. I, you know, Pinocchio came and went. We watched that. And, <laughs> yeah. But, wow. So, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, uh, 79%. Original title, Bardo. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Faults a chronica do unas cuntas varadis. <laughs> wow. We're going to get Spanish sponsors now because of that. <laughs> right. I offended a lot of people. <laughs> right. Who knows? Uh, Maybe okay. the actor. Maybe we, we, still, we still haven't pronounced the actor's name. <laughs> so this film, funny how he, he takes these long, he takes these very strong male-centric leads. Yes. And you go from an awesome Keaton, great performance. Mm-hmm. You go to a Leo who won the Oscar mm. for this one. And um, we'll see what comes out of uh, of Cacho's performance here. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe he is. I don't know if he's well known in Mexico or not. He... Uh, that I don't know. Okay, all right. And Mexican film, um, definitely uh, new territory for me. Yes. Uh, if anything, I think Inaritu's early work mm-hmm. is worth a director's study. Study. So that may be uh, sprinkled in the coming weeks. And you probably have some early, early stuff from Del Toro too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Uh, this, Your favorite. <laughs> uh, this next uh, next movie here, again, all 2022. It's rated R as well. This is an hour and 42 minutes, uh, so a lot shorter. This is After Sun. Hmm. And I'm a little surprised you watched this. I thought maybe yeah. if, if there's one on this list that you would take off and replace with like a Megan or something like that, mm. it would be this. But kind of tell us what story we're getting here. I don't think a lot of people know about it. Yeah. Uh, you might be able to catch it on those secondary theater watches. Kind I, of, I, I think, think so. Too. Yeah. And, and really, After Sun fought through to the list for this week is because it is getting some some sprinkles of nods. It, it's getting uh, you know, some critical plays. It is. Whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out. Why? Right. And I was kind of excited to hear your full take on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 not to beat around the bush, I think After Sun was a bit disappointing. Uh, uh, the rare case where I thought the trailer was better. Uh, <laughs> the trailer captured, oh. um, I think, what the film wanted to do the whole time, but never kind of kept up in the actual watching of the film. It never kept up this tone that I felt the trailer captured, this melancholy, okay, kind of a Lost in Translation vibe, very much a Florida Project type of movie. That's what it was being billed as, like through that? Um, I don't know if it's being billed as. You watch that trailer, though, I think it captures that moodiness to it. This is the, uh, what does it affect? What does it affect? The movie that, that ruined us all. Um, not the birds of prey. Oh, oh, uh, Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, the Suicide Squad effect. <laughs> that was peak. Trailer looks amazing. Mm, very true. Movie something different. Very tr- yeah, movie very different. <laughs> uh, but you're getting these Lost in Translation vibes, and what do we end up getting here? Uh, yeah, that, that's that's very much what the film is going for. This is the first uh, feature debut for Scotch director Charlotte Wells. Mm-hmm. And I always want to support uh, new directors. Uh, she clearly has a style. Um, I think this one is very much defined by being a A24 joint. Uh, It is moody, it is atmospheric, uh, not in their horror selection, but... It is a slow, slow, slow <laughs> burn. Like it's a I quick say, movie too. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's slow with being under two hours. <laughs> uh, and, and like I always say, you know, I I really love slow movies. If you if slow is not a problem, just how length is not a problem. If I am engaged, and I just feel like here there was a lack of hook. Okay, so, all right. The story is very simple here, and we as the viewer. Uh, have to read between the lines of the two main performances. We follow a father and daughter within a memory of a vacation that they went on in the past. 
it's very slow, but um, it, it's kind of focused on that because of this kind of, I don't know, the vacation itself is a little lackluster. So it's trying to capture, you know, just uh, chilling in the hotel room. Maybe, you know, languishing by the And we're looking back at, we're not looking live at a... No, it is a memory uh, okay. that we're kind of jumping back into. So, and I'll kind of leave it at that. Our um, mains are Paul Mescal playing Callum and yep. Frankie Corio playing Sophie. Bingo. Uh, Callum is the father. Uh, he seems to deal with a, a severe depression uh, the whole film. Okay. Uh, and, of course, that challenge for his character is just trying to be present for his daughter. It's just him and his daughter on this trip. So, maybe hiding that, trying to be present, trying to be, you know, active and awake. Uh, and, and not passive, uh, you know, to make a memory for his daughter. And Sophie, his daughter, you know, isn't necessarily sad or depressed. I think she's supposed to be like 9 to 11 here. But there's definitely a, a tone on the other side of the coin that matches uncertainty, puberty, you know, all those kind of coming of age yeah, yeah. Of stories. But it combines into a very melancholy film. Like I said, I think for the kid angle, this was really giving me Florida Project vibes. And just for the overall mood and and Callum's character, more of a loss in translation of just how depression is a, a plot thread. It's never really like called depression or anything yeah. like that, though. You know, what it's I mean? kind of his feeling that seeps through the screen a little exactly. bit. Exactly, yeah. that melancholy, that 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 you know, mm-hmm. kind of uh, low low key sadness. So, so what keeps this movie away from kind of hallmark feels? Mm. Like it kind of uh, seems super simple. Well, okay, so we have. Looking back at this mm-hmm. vacation, mm-hmm. do we get a lot of fast forwarding to present day, or are we following just this? This it's mostly the vacation. Um, and like I said, I, I don't want to give away too much because yeah. again, it's so simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know <laughs> what, what is there? I'm not trying to. You know. <laughs> but it, it, again, it, it's it's like a. Um, it's it's very much about reading between the lines because okay. if anything, uh, we'll take Callum's depression for instance, because it's never outwardly said, it's never openly confronted with his daughter as as two characters interacting. It's very much about reading between the lines of their experiences on this kind of lackluster vacation. Okay, uh, and in that is a movie about performances. Uh, you know, you guys say why this is a, a separation of. Uh, uh, why this is a separation from a Hallmark movie, it's about performances. I think uh, the girl was honestly phenomenal, and you know how much I hate kid actors. Yeah, it's uh, an uphill battle. Yeah. Frankie Corio, okay. Yeah, I thought she was great, and and the actor that played Callum as well. I mean, not to the lengths of his co-star, but still very good. I think I think where I fall in a very lackluster rating for this film is just sadly, I just did not find this story very compelling. It was lacking hook. It was lacking draw. Mm-hmm. I was, believe me, I was lasered in to try to read between the lines and, and really. Yeah, you're watch looking for things, kind of. Yeah. yeah, man, it was just, it was just lacking a hook, even to the very end. The film is calm. It is bittersweet in tone, but you know that 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 certainly plays to how this flashback, if you will, of a film is supposed to play and mold the characters that come out of that memory. And uh, don't get me wrong, I appreciate how personal it feels to the director once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this feels like very much, I, I have no idea, but uh, it, this feels like a, a, a Scottish vacation that Charlotte Wells went on. It's like they're they're all Scottish too. It's like a, <laughs> they, they all go on a bus and they go to this like, you know, this, this Turkish uh, uh, resort. But it never reaches above a slow, gentle simmer. I I kept wanting and expecting more drama, and right to the very end of the film, it 
really never gives it to you. Hmm. Uh, you're left as empty and as kind of longing as the film gives it to you the entire time. It's like a bad White Lotus episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. You're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a interesting film. I, I would be, even even with my score being lackluster, I'd be all right if um, both of them uh, got some sort of nomination because it really was about the performances. I just think the narrative through line just was not there for yeah. me, you know? I didn't find it super compelling, compelling, but maybe this will resonate. And one note that I made for this one is I, maybe this will resonate a lot more in a father-daughter type of relationship. I am not a father. I'm not a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that will resonate for someone so that the moment-to-moments are, I don't know. It's a little bit more nostalgic. Yeah. It's a little bit more meaningful, if that makes sense. Yeah, it just kind of sounds like simple story, telling of, and just that's it. Like you said, if there's no hook, it's just kind of watching the simple story kind of take fold. Yeah, I mean, it's cute. It's it's sad. Uh, you know, there's there's aspects there that might really jive with someone, depending on what right, right. For, what kind of mood they want going into yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see. This is first time kind of major. She did shorts and everything like yes, that. Exactly. But this is her first kind of motion picture. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if there's cues that we see in her other films that are going to come out. Yeah. Whether it be in cinematography mm-hmm. or in the writing or the way there's the film kind of yeah. plays itself out or something like that. Yeah. But And she did write and direct this. Mm-hmm. I think also yeah. kind of probably Props. classic cakes of, you know, maybe... Pass up the writing or get a co-writer or something like that. Uh, one last thing I'll, I'll, I'll mention is um, uh, there is a lot of early 2000s nostalgia. Speed bike arcades, disposable cameras, like beads and hair and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like very like just turned 2000s. So uh, again, a minor note, just want to throw something out there and throw a bone to someone that would want to give this a chance, especially in light of some of the nods. I think it's a soft pass for me, but if anything, like always, kind of sparked interest, folks. Um, give it some love because certainly Charlotte being a first-time director, we want to we want to support that as much as possible. For now... We're going to go ahead and give After Sun a 48. Ooh, 48. Okay, yeah. not cracking the 50. Yeah, yeah, Just not quite, not quite worth your time. Yeah, not right there. Okay, yeah, I feel like we kind of said as much as we could on it, really. <laughs> really? <So. laughs> as much as we could. But yeah, but definitely maybe more of a target audience type thing. I think so. And yeah. that's why I made the note with the, with the father-daughter thing. Yeah, you for sure, I mean? for sure. So. so we're going to change tunes here big time, and we're going to go <laughs> into an hour and 56 rated R horror kind of sci-fi film. This is something in the dirt, yep. and this is juggling a lot of different genres, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I can definitely summarize it, though. I can I can dig through the dirt. I can... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is writing, directing. Well, this is directing um, and starring Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead. Yep. Uh, it's writing. Uh, just Justin wrote this. Okay. But what does this duo kind of bring to the table here? Yeah. So um, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are a sci-fi directing duo. They also star in a lot of their films. Not all of them. Out of the many films that they've done uh, in this kind of indie production, uh, I would probably recommend The Endless, which uh, had some great kind of cosmic horror vibes, and I thought it was pretty decent. We gave that a sixty-eight. That was, of course, um, before the podcast, though. Sadly, however. Tom, I gotta say, this was not the sci-fi gem in the rough. <laughs> was it the horror gem in the rough? No, this was, this was just the rough. <laughs> it was just the it was just the dirt. Uh, <laughs> was, there was nothing in the dirt. Uh, and if anything, I would say it's it's a poor entry and a poor example of a very cool director duo. 
Uh, I'll sing some praises of this film. The director duo, I I really like their stuff. Uh, All of their sci-fi is themed around kind of this cosmic Lovecraftian, you know, uh, madness. Uh, You know, they they, they really like to live in that space. And that's originally why I watched The Endless way back when. Okay. uh, And kind of jumping through um, some, some different indie productions and shorts and whatnot. But here... I think the the Achilles heel is them starring in their own production. They've done this before. This has reached critical mass, though. It's, it just doesn't work. Mm, it's so bad, Tom. It's uh, just the acting, or like, was the writing good still? Uh, it's the combination. It's it's the scope of what the film or what the story wants to be, okay. and it's that acting in combi- uh, in combination. Our setup here is around two kind of misfit bros. <laughs> uh, they find a cosmic artifact that is a that they're using as a cigarette ashtray. And they try to make a documentary while discovering the reality-breaking anomalies that are coming from this thing. So, I mean, great. I'm, I'm in. You know okay, I mean? All right. was, I'm in with that. All right. Uh, I'm going in with a, uh, <laughs> with a raised brow, I guess. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Cigarette ashtray. <laughs> Something in the water. <laughs> so it is silly a little bit. We, got some, yes. we have some comedic there, yes, there, there tones going through. There is some satire to it. Okay. Um, uh, and, and admittedly, a very cool sci-fi setup, uh, you know, when the sci-fi is turned on, it's great, uh, but that sci-fi is not turned on so much, um, you know, that's not the focus of the story, uh, much like Kin, this, the space gun is not, <laughs> space gun is not the focus of the story, the anomaly really isn't the focus of the story, and becomes more about the two bros relationship in making a documentary almost a la an indie social network. Now, that's real high praise for this film. Okay. But has a similar dynamic <clears throat> that it's about relationships over a project and how things can get tatty and bitchy and, and messy. And it just so happens that the project they're working on is kind of, I don't, uh, I don't a know. A sci-fi su- anomaly. Su- okay, supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's causing them to go mad. It's causing them to go crazy. Okay, so that right. is a factor here. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not about that because those moments were really great. Like, okay, really all right. great. But it's not at all about that. And maybe that plays into budgeting. Maybe I, I don't know. It could be a lot of things. One last compliment I'll give the film is around cinematography. Because they're making this documentary within the story, there is they, – they kind of they, – they're, they're scrappy in making this documentary. Some footage is on cell phone. Uh, some is on handy cam. Mm. Uh, and the film actually uses this strategically uh, to create a lot of different presentations, a lot of different filming styles. And at first I was like, what is this? This looks so low quality. <laughs> but it paid off stylistically because it did. It was part of the story. It was about their kind of evolving, not expertise, but them getting more serious about making this documentary. And the okay. quality of the filming increased with that, which was I, I thought was interesting. It's different. It's cool. It could be yeah. played off. Like we have some other horror movies that li- are like that. It's yeah. two that we like. Sure, sure. Uh, or that you like. Um, <laughs> but the cinematographer also is credit to Aaron Moorhead. Yeah. So, so these two are just extremely hands like, on, he- like heavily involved in this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really how all their movies are. They always have some sort of role Where within it, their films. It's, now, is there any money backing? Like a twenty four or Blum- like. Uh, no, it's. It, I it's believe their studio stuff. is XYZ Films. Ah, okay, all right. Uh, so but, something. Uh, yeah, not. Yeah, it's all. It's all indie. So this is like true indie. Okay, so. and love true low budget then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, rooting for these directors, but let's get into the bad. Tom, you would despise this movie, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe I would. I got that already. With I thought I maybe could have hooked you with the sci-fi premise, but no. This, I, 
<laughs> you were raised high profile from the beginning. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a lot to take in. We kind of with the first thing you said. <laughs> I said we're balancing a lot of things here, and you go, yeah, but I can totally parcel it. And I, you said it still used a lot of words. <laughs> right, right. There was no elevator pitch here. Your <laughs> social network. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, oh man, why is that exactly? Uh, is the, it just the dialogue is basically two bros that are just getting into conspiracies and talking at each other about <laughs> conspiracies. It's so bad. It's like, and I mean that specifically, like they're just getting into conspiracies too. So they're very eager, you know, to, to make and references. Unknowledgeable yeah, too, exactly. Yeah. And false references. And it's, it's, it's rough. Um, so is it two hours of a lot of talking? Yes. And, and, in, and in this talking, there is fun, you know, they're filming something, they're making something, yeah. right? And also, so these paranormal things are happening. Yeah, and when these uh, paranormal, supernatural, cosmic things are happening, it's really cool because it's clearly driving some sort of theme of madness that is creating tension in this relationship. Because they're going mad. They're exactly. Got, right, right. And that's what I mean by cosmic. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of Lovecraftian that way. In in uh, Man, though. In execution. It's, in execution, it's, yeah. it's listening to two hours of... Like a 4chaner versus a Redditor. <laughs> Talk about wow. conspiracies. It is a lot. So it's right. So it's not just the acting of these yeah, guys. It's, exactly. It's writings. Tough. I think that's accentuated by their acting. Uh, I think okay, yeah. you you get you you toss this up to to some actors that are really going to get into this. I think it would be it could be very interesting. But I think the perfect storm is low budget. The dialogue being very specific and purposeful yeah. for what that is going after, but then the execution as well from these, you know, they're they're just juggling too much here. Is uh, this a film that will even? This film is going to come and go. Is it? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like not even. It's gone. Okay. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> but like, I think this not... was an Apple Plus release originally, but no. Yeah, I think was Apple, it? Apple put money towards it. Um... And there's not like there's not a chance this is going to be a big cult following or anything like that. Like nothing is new here. Nothing is. It's it's. Not for this one. There is very much cult following around um, the, these guys, the, yeah, the bros, the the, uh, the duo. Okay. Um, also, all their movies kind of low key play into each other. There's like fun, you know. They they kind of make a couple nods, little uh, Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a low key JJ Abrams. <laughs> Maybe because JJ's always doing right. That. He, yeah. yeah, exactly. He ties it together. Yeah, uh, nothing more than an Easter egg. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's just rough. You know this 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 ranting back and forth. It, it's it's bad. It's bad. It's it's grating. It's annoying. Uh, and instead of being about the sci-fi anomaly, <laughs> it's inserting drama into their ramblings that creates this tension between the duo and and further distractions from the sci-fi. Uh, and like I said, it is worsened um, by the directors acting as their own main characters. Dialogue is so heavy that I, I, I really found amateur acting in spots to be a serious detriment to this film uh, and what the story was trying to get across. Um, most of all, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Oh, really? Happens. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, that's ex- that's yeah. horribly disappointing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, this involves the artifact anomaly, you know, much, much like my comparison to Kin. It, it is nothing to do about the, the, the sci-fi plot device. <laughs> Uh, it's it's interesting how those story elements could play, but it just it's 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 ignored for the real story. The real story is about the drama between them two. So, uh, in ways, uh, I would say this is probably similar to two thousand seven's uh, the number twenty three. 
uh, oh, a weird movie with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah. I probably would rather that, though. Yeah. But but kind of right on the money as far as connecting dots that aren't there. Yeah. Uh, the ramblingness of it. And unfortunately, the sci-fi doesn't really go anywhere either. So, you know, the focus is not on the anomaly. I understand this, you know, this is trying to go for something else. But this means that the payoff and climax is not sci-fi. It's about their relationship and the drama about two conspiracy heads needed seasoned actors to be more interesting and definitely less annoying. We're going to go ahead and give Something in the Dirt a 24. Ooh, a 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told you, this was not the, <laughs> this was the rough. This was not the diamond. Yeah, that was a bad score. That's a, that's a bad score. <laughs> wow, okay, all right. Yeah. Still on the search <laughs> for these great sci-fi. I'm in the hidden, dirt. Hidden gems. Um, <laughs> again, the, dirt. the film, if you forgot what the title was, makes sense. Something in the Dirt. <laughs> Maybe that would be described a little bit Referring if we watch to it. The, to the landfill for any physical copies. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't waste your time with it. A 24% for a two-hour film that just doesn't ever get there. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, something in the dirt. As you said, it come and went, came and went. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, we'll just move on right away to our next film. Sure. Because it's kind of another one I could say that same. It came out early October in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely came and went. A comedy. It's got Woody Harrelson in it. Uh, this is called Triangle of Sadness. Yep. Uh, another rated R film, mm-hmm. two hours, two and a half hours, yep. two twenty-seven. What is this film? This is the one I was in the dark the most about here. Oh, yep, yep. Um, so curious. Just set it up a little bit for us, and and why maybe did it disappear quickly? Yeah. So Triangle of Sadness. It's done. It's produced by Neon, which is a probably a lesser A twenty-four these days. The movie as a whole is a satire comedy about rich elites and how they live in basically a total fantasy world. Um, huh, okay. You have three chapters. Uh, chapter one is basically just setting up two characters, uh, our main two leads. Uh, and then it transitions into uh, kind of this, this yacht experience. We have a lot of groups kind of feeling the sting of this satire comedy, but mostly it is the crew and clientele of a luxury yacht. I think this might have been partially inspired or may, maybe by some like Bravo trashy reality TV. Mm, okay. Uh, because there was a, a lot of um, a lot of commentary on influencers who were the clientels of uh, of a luxury yacht, uh, the crew of the yacht working for tips and and, and, and okay. Saying so this yes is to... I know what this is. This is a little bit of below deck med <laughs> yeah. on Bravo. <laughs> right, right. Some of the housewives shows. Sure. Some, it's just like all of them. Yes. Is there but any, making fun of it, ultimately. like social commentary. Yes, <clears throat> very much a satire. Very much trying to like make jokes about social hierarchy. Well, the menu played off that a lot. Absolutely. How did it do? Like, was it because it's built as a comedy drama? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we getting more of? Like, uh, is it more serious? Is it just you know? Is it more funny actually? Or I think it's it's more serious, but the jokes are just really drawn out. Um, hmm. The setup to these jokes are huge and definitely plays into my biggest critique as runtime on this one. Uh, yeah. Two hours and twenty seven mm-hmm. on a comedy, a little yeah. bit pushing it. Definitely pushing it on how these jokes are are portrayed, which I'll get into in in, in just a moment. I think the film also worthy of of praise because it evolves a lot over the runtime. It tackles a lot of social hierarchy today. Some of it may run a bit too long, but I would say I was impressed with how many groups are in the crosshair of this. Oh, okay. It's it's going after 
a lot of different kinds exactly. of people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you said it perfectly. Uh, close to the menu and that type of mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, the the varied clientele of of this this rich elite. Um, we have an ensemble cast. Woody Harrelson is good, but honestly, only in it for a short amount of time on screen. Oh, so he's got top billing, but yeah. only because he's Woody Harrelson. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's a draw. That's how they're drawing you in. I know. I was really disappointed too with it. Um, but he plays um, a captain of the boat, right? Yeah, of the, yeah, of plays, the super yacht or mega yacht. Yeah, he, he plays like a, a drunk captain, uh, and then he's also a a communist, like a actual Marxist <laughs> communist, uh, which is which is good because he's he's then having to they do like a captain's dinner and he has to sit with all these rich elites and just like uh yeah i'm not into that (laughs) um so yeah he was he was good but short-lived um we spent a lot of time actually with our main couple which uh harris dickinson shows a lot of range in this specifically in that chapter one we we saw i mean not that it was really that notable but he was in crawdads uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not. Was he main, that main lead? Yeah, with, with was, that female. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He was. He was the the nice boy. Yeah, okay, I believe, gotcha. If I remember of the love triangle. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think the comedy here is working at its best when we have a crew member dealing with ludicrous requests of the rich elite because it just it, it shows how one removed and in a fantasy world these elites are, but also. It definitely conjures a comedy that uh, anyone that's worked an ounce a day in their life yeah. in the service industry yeah, yeah. has to deal with. You know, you know, just just the the high demand customer essentially. <laughs> uh, and I think that's when it works best. Uh, and, and better yet, you know, when when they when the crew then dealing with that service request pushes it a stage lower to like the maintenance crew or something like right, that. Right, right. That's where it's like the social hierarchy is. Everyone's in the sights of it. Okay, so, all right, that's kind of good. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think the 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 one that kills it here is just the bits, the jokes, and the setups to jokes just run too long. I found myself laughing at jokes long, long before the punchline actually came. Uh, and maybe that's a, a judgment on predictability. Maybe it was just a little bit too straightforward that, like, I I was laughing at what they were doing. Yeah. But it was long before, like, they were actually trying to make you laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's it's just tough, and and uh, like I said, uh, it's tough for me to judge because comedy wise, again, this is this is exactly where I kind of have some nerves critiquing comedy. Was this predictability? Is predictability something that I'm only gonna have? You know what I mean? Was it just pacing of the jokes? It, it's tough. It can be subjective, but there is an overall kind of yeah. feeling to it. I mean, yeah. if it's drawn out. And it was drawn okay, out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was real drawn out. And, and I think, again, uh, you kind of see it, the writing on the walls. It's a comedy for two hours, 20 plus. Um, what is the point of the film? Just to see rich elites on a cruise ship? Is there a goal set? It, like, at it, least Glass Onion, we're getting these elites and these influencers. Mm. And then at least we have a story to that we're enjoying or following or trying yeah. to dissect. It, it, it is, but it's also just kind of uh, making was, fun of them. It's, it's just, okay. yeah. It's Do you think just, this is a COVID movie? No. We're on a boat? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, all right. All if right. anything, something in the dirt felt like a COVID movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just the two guys. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really have much more to say about this uh, because I think the 
uh, a lot of things work. I think they work so much more if they were distilled down to a nice hour 30, hour 40. I mean, I think it would be a dynamite film yeah. for how much punch it would have and how much style there is to this. Uh, if anything, to your comparison to The Menu and Glass Onion, there is a good look to this film. Yeah. Uh, the the rich elite side of this, it's, it's a good-looking film. So I would say regardless of obvious comedic setup, I really did enjoy how the satire of the social structures was built up. You know, all the characters experienced some sort of flip of circumstances, and the satire has some good bite around privilege. But uh, honestly, I think um, this could have been much more with some some refinement. Uh, not bad. N- unfortunately, not great either. We're going to go ahead and give Triangle of Sadness a 61. Wow, okay, 61. Yeah, it's... Mm. That's what I said. I should have just saw Megan. <laughs> It's all plain. <laughs> I thought these were going to be killer movies this week. Triangle of Sadness? Uh, all went of them. It came and went. It's, what's crazy is this was, was another one it that was has an some in nods. theater. It was an in theater. Oh, this has nods? Yeah. Uh, no, granted, it was, I think it was on Glo- <laughs> Golden Globe. <laughs> I'm going to believe it. Oh, it was I Golden Globe. Oh, 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 that's why. <laughs> do we open up the can of worms on that? <laughs> Whew, boy, Golden but Globes. But they had that split of comedy and, and, and drama, so maybe this was, uh, you know. Scratching a niche or something like that. <laughs> sure, fill in the box. I will say, when you look at the menu and look at this, it's and even Glass Onion making mm. fun of some of the elites or some yeah, of the yeah. influencers. Uh, you hit it right on the head. It is funny. It's almost nice and refreshing to see Hollywood making fun of its own self yeah, a little yeah. bit. It is kind of rare and kind of nice. Um, so... But, uh, boy, okay, so 61 for Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, a rough week. <laughs> okay, so, all right, with that, we're going to go into a producer segment. This is kind of our first one here we're doing in 2023, uh, and we do have some donators and producers for donators. today. Donators. Donate Donators. Oh, my God. Yes, that's yes. we have two. Wow. It's going to be a big year for us. I can feel it. <laughs> um, so, first up, we have our executive producer this time. We have Matt D. coming in. Matt D. So Matt D coming in with a Space Odyssey donation. Uh, it comes with 2,001 pennies, so $20.01. <laughs> and Matt D says, love the award show, especially love the custom categories. A lot of fun. As someone who became a listener mid-year, this caught me up on some of the fa- on some of the show's favorites. Mm. I added five movies to my watch list for the no year. No way. That's fantastic. Oh, that's cool, Matt. We appreciate that. Uh, it was a good show last week. So, Vinny needs to admit, though, there was a little bit of contrarianism happening when he passed up Blanchette. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. Well. We gave her a nod. We definitely gave her a nod. Yeah, she was nominated, I guess, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> I guess I guess Blanchette is getting the, uh, but, all yes. the praise. But though. Till was a sleeper hit for you. Absolutely. I mean, that was, yeah. Contrarianism. Yeah, see, he tried to get a big word, I think, on me because he tripped me up last time. I got you this time. He goes, and I can't begin to explain where Tom's love of Batman comes from. <laughs> Any relation to Matt Reeves, maybe? I've read a bunch of Batman comics. I've seen every Batman film. This one gets the Houdini nod for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Listen, so here's the best part. I haven't read a lot of comics. <laughs> right. I've seen most of the Batman films. Sure. I think almost all. Yeah, all of them for maybe, maybe one. Maybe not like 66. But it was very helpful. <laughs> I like the movie. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I like the movie. I think maybe with the Houdini No comment, relation to Matt Reeves. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think maybe the Houdini comment is uh, D 
DC is such a mess, who knows where this Batman's even going to end up. Uh, well, that's true. He could be fired. Yeah, <laughs> who yeah. knows what's going to happen. But no, I like the movie. And there's even some like SJW stuff, which sure. usually it's like poison for my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it's still, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I guess a Houdini for Matt D. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, and he goes, for efficiency's sake, I'm down to one donation, boys. Oh, Happy New Year. Love it. Love Happy it. New Year to do. Yeah, I was kind of getting excited. We're going to get the Matt D double D donation. <laughs> I was going to have a name for it, but all right. We, th- we appreciate the Space Odyssey donation, Matt. Uh, you were associate executive producer for this episode. We thank you so much. Happy New Year. Happy Happy New Year to you. And our executive producer for this year uh, is Taylor Welsh mm. coming in with a Godfather donation. Oh. So $95 because it's our highest rated movie with a 95%. Fantastic. Uh, and Taylor says, love the content. I'm surprised how many great movie suggestions I get out of each episode. Mm. I love the different opinions and perspectives we get from both Tom and Vinny. This podcast has broadened my movie watching horizons. I find myself watching this. It's a puff piece here. Uh, this podcast has brought in my movie watching horizons. I find myself watching different genres I would have never picked in the past. Wow. All based off the side conversations during each episode. Interesting. Interesting. So apparently your reviews mean nothing. We yeah. can- <laughs> it's about the water cooler talk. No, but uh, that's awesome. That's great that he's kind of getting into, like Taylor said, he's getting into more genres that yeah. he wanted to approach for Both us. notes. A uh, growing list of, of a watch list. That's fantastic. And that's why we're here, kind of. Yeah. And I'm glad people are having a good time. It seems like Taylor really enjoys it. Um, don't you know? I, I feel like there's going to be a second donation. That's where he's like, I gave some money. Now I can really dig my dig my teeth in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. Godfather donation from Taylor Welsh. Uh, Taylor and Matt D coming back. Uh, you guys are producers of the daily ratings. We thank you so so much, Matt D. Your numbers are just climbing more and more and more. Again, mm. you hit that $500 mark and you become what we call a director. Mm. So you can now be a director, Matt D. And there's some perks that come along with that. You can check out on the site. Yep. Folks, if you want to become a producer, go to the dailyratings.com, you head to the donations tab, and you can write in a note like Matt and Taylor did, uh, send in a monetary donation of the value you're getting from this show. Are you getting value from the podcast and the website? You send some back some, from some value, and that's how that works, basically. That's how you become a producer of the Daily Ratings. Uh, Matt D, Taylor Welsh, first donations of 2023. Mm. We cannot thank you so much. Absolutely, uh, It means a lot. You guys are engaged, uh, enjoying it. You have fun commentary. We love it. Matt, it's great having you back. We're glad to have you for a full year of 2023. It's awesome. <laughs> and folks, by the way, we have fun. Like Matt gave a Space Odyssey donation. Taylor gave a, a Godfather donation. Mm-hmm. We have some fun set amounts. We have reoccurring donations or it's whatever you want. It's value for value. So you put whatever number you want to it. That's at dailyratings.com. Head to the donations tab. All right, Vince. So with that, we're going to continue to our last film here. This is probably our newest release. This came out late December. I think December 30th. Yes. A Netflix uh, release. And I'll say this because usually it's, I don't know why it's such a thing with me. Uh, I felt this okay to be on Netflix. I didn't feel the need. To, mm. I need to go see this in theater. Sure. I actually enjoyed sitting on the couch one Sunday mm. and, and flipping this on. Right, right. It was actually kind of nice. It was just a nice new watch. Everyone can pretty much have it because almost everyone has Netflix. Sure. And this is White Noise. Adam Driver is the lead mm-hmm. uh, based on a book. And what do we get through this? Rated R and two hour and 15 film. Yeah. Uh, interesting for the rated R. Uh, I'll definitely be. It's uh, all, the, all week. Yeah. All rated R's. Yeah. Was there some language? Um, Not much. I think I counted maybe two. Oh, I two guess I, I, I know what it is in, in White Noise. There is some violence to it. So. Okay. Uh, yes. I watched this as well. Yeah. Are we getting time uh, well, two shoes? That's what I just said. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I care about it that much. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll just say. I, I'll be honest. I If I had to put money on it, I would put money that you hated this film. Yes. We talked about this a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but... I think I saw it before you. Yeah. 
I surprised. Yeah, one, I'll just say right away. Sure. I surprisingly enjoyed it a lot. Wow. After further reflection, I still really like it. Okay. I don't care enough about it to give it a Tommy Two Shoes. It's mm. just another movie I watch kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, straight away, I found it refreshing. I found the dialogue weird and although unnecessary at times, mm-hmm. I found it nice that a movie was totally its own thing. Mm. Uh, it was nice to see something in its own it was just doing its own thing. It really was. It was, yeah. and for me, it was great to see and uh, fun, kind of charming, kind of weird. Part of it's, I could say, this is just pointless, and part mm. of it's just like, I love that it's pointless. Mm. It's something different. I, I, that, that's wonderful perspective. But uh, with white noise, gives a little synopsis. Sure, sure. So as he said, I mean, with writer director Noam Baumbach, uh, he's back after critical success with Marriage Story, another Netflix release directly, mm-hmm. um, and Adam Driver. Yep. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and return with working with Adam Driver, both of which very excited for. Marriage Story hit a perfect spot for me uh, in kind of being a Kramer versus Kramer family drama that I really love around divorce. Adam Driver as well. He's my boy. Is uh, is one of two. So, uh, or at least that uh, new actors. Well, I would say him and boy? Florence Pugh. <laughs> I guess Florence Pugh isn't a boy. So. Okay, uh, that's but, it. That's all on your list. As far as like, I new have a actors. I have an orchestra. <laughs> I have an orchestra of boys behind me. A flow chart, a whole <laughs> family family tree. <laughs> of the and you've boys. got Adam Driver and Pew Pew. <laughs> and it should be note too. Uh, no, uh, Noah Baumbach also wrote this. Yes, and he wrote Marriage Story as yep. well. Correct. Mm, yeah. I think so. I think so. Uh, a director I wanted to see more of. Um, I this one was an oddball. I was having uh, I think and uh, kind of two separate spheres. Uh, I was having trouble enjoying this for myself. I was also having trouble writing this review uh, of kind of what way to approach it. You know, I mean, I, I think even in the other reviews this week, I was trying to tie it to something of where it could work for someone and. Uh, I don't know. This one, I don't know who this works for. I think it works maybe for the theater geek, and that's why maybe I was surprised it wasn't working. It, it did work for you, and I, I would again, money on it. I, I would have <laughs> expected you to tear this film apart. Like maybe not even a flip. You're really maybe, surprised. Yeah, You're really like, surprised. I liked it. One shoe with the with the sole missing or something. You know? <laughs> really? That really? I, I, I just think this. I don't know. Uh, I, I feel, if anything, I was getting frustrated with this film and how it's presented and how the dialogue mm. is layered. So I figured that would be a no-go for you. But hey, uh, that's, that's I, a good I, surprise. The dialogue from the get-go is weird. Yeah. And I think I think 10 minutes in, mm-hmm. you're going to know whether you like or don't mm. like this movie. Excellently said. Uh, Absolutely. And I think I was, the first 30 seconds, I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then it quickly became, oh, if this is what we're doing, I'm here for this. I like it. Okay. I, I can't help. I said this during Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. It was a refreshing feeling watching it, mm. something that I'm watching that's different. And I immediately felt this. After that first 30 seconds and True. realizing, oh, this is what this is, yep. I was really, I was in. Okay. Once when I accepted it, I was all good. <laughs> Once you accepted it. <laughs> well, good. Hey, listen. Uh, I don't know uh, if I could give you a, oh, sorry, good. No, no. I, I think uh, uh, giving points for novelty and something refreshing, I think that's important. Important. And something maybe just me watching so many movies, I get maybe a little jaded with. So. Well, no, it, I will say it's funny that you say target audience. I don't know what it would be. Exactly. I think a lot of people would be turned off from this. Mm. I think it's broken up into three parts. Mm-hmm. And I think by part two or the start of three, I think there's going to be a lot of people just like, I'm done with this. Mm. Like, where is this going? I don't even care anymore. Because mm-hmm. we'd mm-hmm. switch gears a little bit from here or there. Yeah, each chapter is pretty different. Uh, yeah. And why don't I summarize a little Please, bit? Please, yeah, go for so, it. So the story is split into three chapters. You know, we follow a, a family... 
in kind of an almost a National Lampoon style setup, but the topics that they wrestle with, once again, uh, for probably the third or even fourth time this week, they're focusing with big life problems. There's there's much a, a kind of a big picture perspective to how the topics are handled in this. Um, each chapter is wildly different in conflict, uh, so we see the many big life questions kind of thrown at our characters in different scenarios through different lenses, uh, all of which uh, tries to tie together to there being one truth to life, and we as humans really only get distracted for that. I think this comes into play specifically as the title suggests. The story is structured around information overload, how more knowledge does not always equal more insight. If anything, it's more of a distraction to the truths of life and the questions that our characters are dealing with. How, how, do, you, how do you think that sounds? <laughs> I think that pre- it's, it's pretty good because it's tough to put, and if you watch yeah. this film or are going to watch this film, you'll <laughs> learn why it's kind of a struggle. Yeah, yeah. Because it is kind of weird and, and quirky, but yeah. that sounds good. Okay. Because <laughs> th- there's, there's a through line as far as them wrestling with life questions, but the actual events of each of the three chapters are so wild it yeah. almost throws you off the scent a little bit, and that's maybe even the point. It's called white I, noise. I, yeah, I think it's def- yeah, I think it's definitely the point. No, I, I don't think I could say that much better because it is so weird with these three different. There is a through line through all three, like it's yeah. a story that goes through all mm-hmm. three. But uh, it's kind of tough to put your finger on it yeah. if you had to boil it down. It and, is. And, and that's why it's these big life questions. It's an internal crisis. It's uh, like Bardo. It's ex- existential even. And I think White Noise's point is that of uh, the immense amount of talking that is in this film, yeah. it is all distractions <laughs> to the truth that we all know. And that's really the arc there. I will say, I think what maybe helped me like the film more mm-hmm. is I couldn't help from the get-go, again, maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes, mm-hmm. um, right away this spoke to me like a play, really. Mm, yes. And when you're in the play, the setting, it's I can it's I can forego the things that would annoy me in a normal film, mm-hmm. even when it comes with some dialogue or the way it's delivered or even people acting almost. Mm-hmm. It, it was easier for me to overcome what I would normally not like yeah, because it just felt so much like a play. It felt maybe artificial or... Yes, but purposely so. Sure, sure. It's and it was space. almost, yeah, it was almost nice then. I almost get that feeling with Glengarry Glenn Ross, mm, sure. believe it or not, with some of the, with some of the dialogue yeah, where yeah. it's just like, yeah, maybe that would be said, but also this whole thing kind of feels like something different. You know, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean by its own box, its own uniqueness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that novelty is clearly a thing that worked for you. I think it's going to work for a good amount of people because it is a very fresh take on a film, you know. Were you getting annoyed? Be- were you watching this saying, what is the point? Like, why am I uh, still watching this? No, it was it was actually purely for writing, which I can get into those notes. Oh, if you want. okay. Well, um, you take it wherever you want. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hijacking this. Well, <laughs> no, this is uh, it's, it's helping me navigate a very hard film to talk about, uh, which is which is good. But writing wise, I agree with you. It's very theatrical. Um, I would say almost every line of dialogue is is coded, is glazed in this hyper-awareness. It's like characters understand their own importance within the story themselves itself and then are kind of narrating their own position in the story. The uh, this, is, this is highlighted uh, in a fight between um, uh, Adam Driver and his wife. I forget the actress's name. She's actually up and coming, too. Um, yeah, uh, Greta Gerwig. Yes. Uh, th- there's a fight that happens, in the, an argument that happens in this. Uh, and for some reason in this argument, Adam Driver's character is saying the, his wife's name, Babette, 
in such a meta-narrative way. It felt so far removed uh, from anyone, how anyone would ever talk, yes, no less yeah. write a line of dialogue. He's like, but Babette doesn't do this. Babette is sunshine. Babette is... Yeah, and it's just like, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I love Adam Driver, but uh, it, it was, it's just... I don't know. Uh, I, I think... The writing style, the presentation, uh, it may, maybe characters narrating themselves, maybe that doesn't really give folks at home a, a guidance of what it feels like. I, it's yeah, tough to, honestly, yeah. I'm sitting here, I don't know, I can't, can't do any better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is 100% the most defining style uh, yeah. uh, or defining feature of this. It's key to this over-information selling point of, of white noise. And uh, I think it is a, a total coin flip. I'm going to lean on what you said. <laughs> Give it 10 minutes. You're going to know if you like it or you don't. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I really think that's probably the best thing I can say for it because I think it could hit for some. I think it could critically miss for others. So Yeah, big time. I think I kind of land on the side of it didn't work, uh, but my recommendation my recommendation is to try to kind of navigate this. If you enjoy the pacing, the cadence of dialogue in like a Wes Anderson film, uh, a Jim Jarmusch film, that oh, might be yeah. for you. Yeah, you know? especially the highbrowness of it. So yeah, it's highbrow, and it's also just quirky. It's so intentional, and that stuff usually bugs me. Yeah, yeah. because it's so removed from reality. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Like you said, who speaks like this? Who has an argument like this? <laughs> what kids talk like this? Yeah. Sometimes the story just takes a complete backseat. <laughs> and it's really just about these lines getting out by each individual yeah. character. But there's yeah. something about it that was refreshing and weird and different. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes the story, just enjoy it. It's just like, some. that's the thing. Sometimes I, I felt like I could see how people are going to come across of this mm-hmm. and, and be like this is wasting my time mm. I couldn't help but think I had a bit of a smirk throughout this film mm. the whole thing is a bit comedic yes you know absolutely. what I mean it's, 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 uh, maybe tongue in cheek is the wrong way to say it but yeah absolutely there's some there's sort there's some of, sort of lightheartedness. Yeah. even in the depths of be, it being not lighthearted. yeah yeah. it's a, it's an on ball uh, but I, I, I do side with you in the sense that I'd rather talk about something interesting than plain and Megan right. you know, in January <laughs> So one aspect that I really did enjoy um, without any kind of caveat is the set work and uh, the look of scenes. There's a very enjoyable pocket 1980s that is created and and does a lot to immerse the audience. Uh, And of course, that bridges over to costume design as well. Adam Driver has never looked more dad. (laughs) I mean, Uh, I I really did enjoy the um, uh, the immersion that happens from some of the setting and some of the style of this film so uh it's definitely uh, um absurdist uh, especially around plot beats there's a, <laughs> there's a plot beat called the toxic event which uh was it was very <laughs> surreal but i think my note here is that it's a little bit of a shame that i think sometimes it shifts from strange to flat out stupid you know it, it's it's not always Highbrow. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe that's the point as well. So um, I, I personally feel by the time the last third chapter closes, any real tension is ignored. And I think what taking these characters as, you know, actual characters that have stakes, that have, you know, not life or death consequences, but consequences mm-hmm. against them, I think what that strange to stupid did was poison my ability to pay attention to the characters and actually be engaged with them. Instead, I kind of just sat back and it was just kind of, okay, I was just watching this this play or something like that. Right, right, so, okay. The story and film 
It basically asks a simple question to its characters, shows how they get distracted from that truth, and then says they had the answer all along. And I wish that concept just had some real stakes to it. I don't mind the arc. I don't mind the, the very intentional purpose of the film. I just wish it had some stakes. And that, that's what I kind of boiled down to of why I was uh, unsatisfied with this film. We're going to go ahead and give White Noise a 54. Wow, fifty four. Yeah, I, I, I there was a while. <laughs> there was, uh, there, it was actually. Were it, you thinking? Were you, were you thinking about this a lot? I was, yeah, I really was because it was challenging. It's, and I think challenging films should be recommended in some spaces, right? You know, would you say there was a while you were gonna make uh, it lower? Uh, or uh, yeah, it was gonna be a lot lower. Really? I was, yeah, I was, I was feeling like a thirty eight at some point. Wow, really? Yeah. That really surprises me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I overall, I can't help but I don't know. If I, if people are gonna go into this watching, mm-hmm. I would just say that first of all, it's billed as comedy drama horror. Yeah, uh, there's some weird, like there might be a weird scene or two that's. I don't even know if it's unsettling suspense, suspense but yeah, it's yeah. not horror at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, and I think the entire thing is comedy lace. I can't help but think I was surprised with how small the movie felt sometimes mm-hmm. and then how very big the movie felt. Oh, right, right. There's big parts, production. Yeah, there's parts in part two, which seemed yeah. massive. I know. Parts in part one. Uh, maybe even a little bit three felt very very small. Yep. And yet there was kind of twists and things that happened that made me feel like there was some weird, this kind of weird Paul Thomas Andersy type mm, vibes. And where things true. go with it, it's just like we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I had a smirk on my face the entire time, and with this totally unrealistic dialogue, yep. I can't help but liked it. I, that's great. And to the point where that's ah, great. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give shoes. Yeah. I'm not gonna give shoes. <laughs> I respect your fifty-four. I okay. do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna that was gonna in, be my next. Question. Yeah, I'm not, not sitting here saying, "Hey, you got to put this in the '70s mm, or anything right, right, like right. that." It's very because I think it's a coin toss film, and I think yes. that kind of is illustrative. Would you agree with me? Where it's funny that you thought I would hate this film. I really do. Listen to the films. This like I, put serious money. I'd put a good really? fifty spot on you hating this. I gotta say, I don't know. I, I, where I feel like I didn't watch After Sun, but uh-huh. I feel like walking away from After Sun, I was saying this was a waste of my time. Mm. And with White Noise, I could say. This should have been a, a waste of my time, mm-hmm. and yet I liked it. I think that's a win. That's a huge win. <laughs> that's not a, you know, I, I think that should be celebrated. Okay. <laughs> you know? I mean, if I had to give it uh, shoes, it would be somewhere in probably the, the two shoes. Sure. No laces. Somewhere as much as I enjoyed, like unba- unbearable weight or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Nothing, over, nothing overly phenomenal. But, right, right. But yeah. uh, I was... Very interested to hear your take on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was this was a good chat, uh, and uh, I, I think more than anything, where this separates from Bardo, which kind of lives in maybe similar spaces, parallel spaces. Right. Uh, I think Bardo is surreal. I think White Noise is absurdist. It's it's trying to be absurd in its premise, and that's maybe more the comedy spin to it as well. Yes. So. Yeah, and that, and that usually annoys me too. When I feel, yeah. when you feel like a movie is trying too hard mm-hmm. to be something, mm-hmm. it can be really off putting. It cheapens its own effect. Or oh something yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. But yeah, and it's on Netflix, so anyone can really watch it if they want to go watch it. Yeah, all these were easy watches uh, by the nature of the kind of the catch-up. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. All right, Vin. So looking at this, uh, looking at this list here, is there anything else you want to touch on, talk about, or uh, we're gonna roll credits here? I think we're gonna roll credits again. Not not the most exciting list, but you know, we kind of bookended it with some interesting Netflix fodder. So easy to watch, easy to maybe jump into some new film. Uh, okay, for folks at home. All right, Vin, Vin. Thank you so much for watching these films and sitting down with us this week, folks at home. We're gonna run it down one more time. We have Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, with a seventy nine percent. 
After Sun with a 48, Something in the Dirt with a 24, Triangle of Sadness with a 61, and White Noise with a 54%. Folks, we thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us? If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs>